0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics.
0: Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Andrews
2: and 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left
0: field. Left the Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Otani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title the 2021 Derby champion.
2: Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: Wow, the first A's Cast Live of the 2022 season. How is everybody doing out there as we are three games into the season, as we start this long journey that is going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think you saw that in the first three days. It's different. And I'm not going to tell you anything that you don't already know, but it's going to be different. The expectations are different. Uh, of what we expected from the A's in the past, but I'm I, you know I'm already seeing some people you're actually starting to enjoy it a little bit. You're like, "Okay, we understand that there's a change and now you watch the change and you watch how the new players are going to do." And what did we say if you followed this show while we were down at spring training, we talked about this season. It's the season of discovery. Which one of these new guys is going to be a legit player and can actually help this ball club for years to come? And what is this team going to look like under Mark Kotze? How is he going to lead this ship? You know, the manager is that guy who, you know, I I know I, 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 I beat this into the ground, but the manager is the guy that's got to be the head of the bus. It's got to be the head of the plane. He's the guy that's leading the charge. He's the one that talks to the media before and after every single game. He is the guy that is going to make the decisions on the field. Now, is there going to be a lot of help from the front office? There's no question about it. But he is the leader. He will set the tone in the clubhouse on the coaching staff. He'll set the tone for the players. And that'll trickle down throughout the organization. I'm excited for Mark Very happy for him to get his first win and get it done the way that they did. You know, the first day was grueling. Another long baseball game to start out the season. Opening day always is long. You're going to have the introductions, the whole deal. Then the next day, huh? But yesterday was a good game. And Dalton Jeffries, even though he didn't throw a lot of pitches, was very effective. And really kind of the uh, first big move made by Mark Kotze where he was in a situation where, all right, you're at a really low amount of pitches and that's great. But now you're going through the lineup a third time around. And obviously what Mark was doing, and we'll talk to Mark this week about it, getting his first victory, his first Beer bath shower, the first one that he's had since his rookie year, which was a long time ago in Major League Baseball. Normally you're never gonna you're never gonna pull a pitcher at that point with that few of pitches. But start of the year, short and spring training, getting Dalton to a point, a lot of confidence, threw the ball well, going through the third time through the lineup, get him out, and then let's get this thing to the house, just to get the first victory of the season. You do that all the time, you'll completely wear out your staff and your staff will be ruined by summer. If you got a starting pitcher that has, what, 48 pitches and you're taking them out and he's cruising to get to a bullpen, that bullpen will be shot within, I don't know, a couple weeks. So that's kind of one of those. You want to get the first victory. You want everybody to get that taste. And you're going to make some decisions that you can't make throughout the – you can't make on a normal – bases throughout a 162-game season. So I understand what Mark was doing yesterday, and I applaud him. Congratulations getting that first victory. And now you're going up against a team that they're a great measuring stick. Once again, super early, but a measuring stick. Always fun when the athletics go up against the Tampa Bay Rays and these guys are no joke. The next, the, the next two series, you're going, to, you're going up against the two teams that I would say, if I'm putting my money on who's going to win, uh, we'll go over overreaction Monday as some people are already overreacting to the first part of the season and the pitching staff for the Toronto Blue Jays that uh, gave up runs, but still they're going to score a ton of runs already being you want to talk about overreaction Monday they're already being compared to the late 90s Rangers teams that we all remember winning the West with a ton of offense couldn't pitch then they get in the postseason and get smoked by the Yankees and wouldn't be able to move on but there's a lot of overreaction but the A's you're going to see two really good teams in the in the next two series and then you're going to come back home and open up against the Baltimore Orioles. You know, one thing that we will talk about that we're seeing already so far in these three games is something that Mark Kotze talked to us about in the dugout down at Hoho Cam, is that they're going to play hard. They're going to play hard every single game. There's going to be good, there's going to be bad, and there's going to be ugly. That's just a, a, a reality. But what you're going to see is you're going to see a team that's going to give you the effort. And that's something that Mark, you know, promised that we'll see and that's it was also the hallmark of and what he learned from Bob Melvin. You know, that was always Melvin's deal. I don't care how good we are. If we're a really good team or we're not a really good team, we're going to play hard for the fans. And we're seeing that already. You know, the expectations for this ball club are not very high. But if you're a player, why do you care? If you're a coach, why do you care? The outside noise is not something that you need to worry about. Odds makers, you don't worry about it. Riders, national riders, local riders, and a tip to local riders. Don't get on Twitter and start being a fan. Don't go on Twitter and start ripping things, and it's not your job. That's not what you do as, as someone who covers a Major League Baseball team or any type of professional team. So just a warning, and I'm not going to call anybody out, but when you're, you want to be considered a legitimate journalist and you want to be different from the fans, don't go. Don't go. Start playing fan on Twitter. It's a bad look. A really, really bad look. But once again, for this staff, for these players, you don't worry about any of that. This is your time to shine. This is your opportunity. You're in the big leagues. It's your it's your time to win ball games. Shock the world. And that's something that they're going to have a chance to do. Let's see what they got. You know, let's see what you got for these next, you, you, these next couple of series. Because technically, you're getting rid of a really tough part of your schedule early. You know, going to Tampa, going to Toronto is not easy. And you're still going to have your trips to New York and your trip to Boston. But getting rid of this early... Definitely big. All right, this is what we got going today. The first show of the 2022 season. A lot going on. Who are we going to have, Commander? We got the a general manager coming up here at 115. That's
3: correct. David Forrest calling from St. Mary's. He told me he's at St. Mary's scouting, it sounds like.
1: What? Basketball season's over. What the hell is he doing at St. Mary's? He's at the
3: baseball factory known as St. Mary's. It's produced... Cy Young winner Cor- Corbin Burns, Tom Candiotti, our own Alex Jensen, Kai, uh, Kai Bush, who the Angels took in the second round last year,
1: and uh, well, I don't know if I really want to throw Alex Jensen I, in there, I, but I, I, I don't think all those names would would make you a factory.
3: Uh, they've had some, uh, and uh, Patrick Wisdom from the Cubs, who had like almost I think once 20- again,
1: you've mentioned four people. One of them's Alex Jensen. I mean, I don't and one's Tom Candiotti, who's been retired, the Candyman, and former. Uh, he played for the A's, right? Yeah, he did. Candiotti back in the day, love him to death. Now a broadcaster for the Arizona Diamondbacks. But if, when you got to go to Tom Candyman, Candiotti, and Alex Jensen, I don't think you can call Saint. And if I have a victory against you in, in, in my career, I don't think you can call Saint Mary's a factory. They do I'm have just Corbin, saying.
3: They do have Corbin Burns though.
1: That's one guy a factory produce. Do you know what the definition of a factory is? I, I
3: don't. I don't want to be that guy. But how many guys has San Jose State produced in the last? Ten years.
1: Did you want me to start bringing out? Well, we had we had
3: MVP. Yeah, true. The the, the great late uh, uh, Ken Caminiti. You
1: want me to bring up Mark Langston, who had a great career, All Star, Gold nice, Glove winner, nice, nice
3: career. Do
1: you don't hear me
3: saying factory? Yeah, well, it's back in the '90s. A factory. Uh, I don't nah, know about now.
1: A factory is you produce a ton. Uh,
3: they're not Cal. Not, and Stan- one, not, not Cal and Stanford, but not a
1: one-hit wonder. St. Mary's producing wow. one guy every twenty years. Wow! Shots fired at Alex Jensen. Just, just. Just saying the voice of the stock report who filled in for me uh, game one. Um, and who else we got today? And Neil
3: Solons, who's the uh, – he does pre He's you for the race.
1: Oh, we had him on recently. Yeah. So Neil he- Solons, yeah. Yeah,
3: we're going to have Dave Wills, the voice of the race, tomorrow. I, I, we're really close with our broadcasters, so we like to spread them out. And uh, hopefully we'll have Brett Phillips in person in Oakland. Uh, great personality can't wait to talk to him again but yeah well have Neil Solans and it too and David Forrest is actually going to be calling us in a few minutes uh live from St Mary's I don't know if he wanted me to say that but I said it anyway
1: well, I don't think there's a problem
3: Yeah he said he said he doesn't know how the service will be up in Moraga so we'll find out
1: Well I would um I wonder why is he there It's a it's Monday and it's raining
3: yeah, well, the sun started coming out here in San Jose, but I don't know what it's like up in the East Bay in Moraga.
1: Well, you just you just kind of they wouldn't have a game. College baseball plays on Tuesdays.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's I don't know, maybe he's taking a batting practice. I don't know.
1: Well, the Rays have gotten out to a hot start.
3: Only team, only undefeated team left in baseball.
1: And we're at a point to where everybody around the country needs to you know stop with the. And, and maybe we're, we're the only ones hip to it and, and raise people, but they're still, and it, it is really hard to believe that we still are at a point where people want to say that the Ra- the Rays are still the, you know, the little brother of the Yankees, which just does not make sense. The Rays have been better than the Yankees. The Rays all around. I mean, everything about the Rays is better than the Yankees. The the Rays scored, it was well over 100 runs more than the Yankees last year. Their pitching's better, their offense is better, their efficiency is more better. Wherever you want to go, they're better. And when you're looking at this year in the AL East, I mean, okay, if you want to sit there and I, I couldn't believe last night, getting home last night from Augusta, and it didn't shock me. It didn't It didn't shock me. But i kind of been out of the baseball world for a couple days. But I get home and Sunday night baseball. What's Sunday night baseball?
3: Yankees-Red Sox?
1: Yankees-Red Sox.
3: Were you really surprised with that Saturday? No. Nope. Saturday day baseball on FS1 was, wait, wait for it, Yankees-Red Sox.
1: Yeah, I'm glad I was at the Masters and I didn't have to participate in that. That was hard. I mean, I just say, like, here we go again. Do do we have him from 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 a scouting trip right now? The David, David Ford, Ford show, the first, show, the one? first one of twenty twenty two. David, hey, how are how you?
4: Scouting trip, scouting trip, all the way to to Moraga. So, so, so not exact not exactly on the road, but uh, I'm here. How are you doing, Chris?
1: I am doing. I am one, doing hold one, on, hold one on one second. second. We're having, We're some, having technical some technical difficulties. Technical. Ah, there we go. Can you hear me now?
4: It was so much better to hear you twice without echo.
1: <laughs> How about that, scouting? I mean, that, that, this has got to be one of the fastest scouting other than going to Cal. Is there anything closer for you from a scouting standpoint?
4: No, St. Mary's is as convenient as it gets, and Cal's here playing them today, so works out great. I, I can walk to Cal, which is the most convenient, but it's always nice to get through the tunnel for a couple hours and see the sun.
1: Well, I I have to think that for you, and I know you you love the scouting aspect of your job, to get out there and that we have full college baseball, we have full high school baseball, that you can see everybody, everybody is playing internationally. Just for you and your staff, how great is that to kind of, let's just face it, get truly back to normalcy?
4: It is, yeah. I mean, look, this last week with all four minor league teams playing and be able to Watch their games online, follow the box scores. You know, being in in a big league ballpark with a packed stadium and and yeah, you know, like you said, now going out to college games and uh, and acting like normal. It's been great.
1: Yeah, how strange is that? That you know, years ago you would just get these reports every night or when you'd wake up in the morning of what happened in A ball or Double A. Now you can actually watch the games, David.
4: Yeah, it is. I mean, when we when I started. We had a a call-in service. I don't even remember what the name of it was. It was like a voicemail system where each manager after the game every night in the minor leagues would have to call in, basically like read out the box score live and be like, this guy went three for four with two hits. You know, this guy threw 39 pitches. You have to sit there on a voicemail and listen for 10 minutes for each game to hear what happened. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, safe safe to say we've come a long way.
1: No, that that, that is great. You know, when we look at the start of the season, since this is the first show that we're having you on, that uh, we'll talk to you a lot throughout the year here in 2022, you know, there's always expectations. And I've always talked about whether doing this show or the postgame show, we'll judge the team based on the expectations. And obviously the expectations are going to be different this year. But from your guys' standpoint, from the general manager, from the big seat, how do you view this team, and what are your expectations for this season?
4: It's it's a good question. I think you know, like you said, you you judge every team differently, and you go into the season looking looking at teams different ways depending on the circumstances and the players. Uh, a lot of the focus this year has been on Mark and, and his first year managing, uh, and a lot of our process is based around you know making sure he gets acclimated, he has the staff that he needs around him, um, and, and so far. As far as that's concerned, the spring has been great. I thought the first three games were outstanding from that standpoint. Um, And just to get him his first win, take that sort of pressure off of everybody who really wanted that for him, Um, that was big yesterday. And uh, I think that that made a huge difference in the weekend.
1: You know, one of the mantras uh, of years past, and Mark is going to keep this thing rolling, is no matter what, playing hard for 27 outs now the average fan would go well these guys are all getting paid a lot of money shouldn't they already play hard for 27 outs shouldn't that be a standard but I think we all know we've watched teams mail it in over the years just talk about from your staff to the players and how it trickles down all the way through the minor leagues that there is this thing about hey no matter what we're playing hard every day and for all 27 outs
4: it, it sounds cliche, but but you're right. It is something that, that we've always emphasized. It's something that Mark is absolutely going to focus on. And, and look, it, it's a grind. It's 162 games uh, this year in 182 days because because of the, the late start to the season. Um, it's not easy. And, and there are guys who will tell you it's hard to go. Uh, for 27 outs every night every, every day so it's something that, that mark did as a player It's something he's passionate about and, and it's sort of you know his emotions kind of carry him. and uh you know he spent some time with the minor league managers uh in their camp before we got started and i know it's a, a message he preached and, and guys see it you see it on tv at the big league level it, it makes a big difference down through the minor leagues
1: with the shortened spring training and just the wildness of the past couple years, we have already started to see some injuries. How worried are you about that with your ball club?
4: It, it's something everybody's aware of. I mean, yeah, you saw some injuries in spring training. Um, you know, Cap, Caps injury actually happened during during the time where um, where we weren't doing anything. So we found out about that when he got to camp. But, um, you know, we had a, a relatively successful camp sky bowl came up the other day with an oblique we're trying to you know trying to be careful in terms of playing guys every day or pushing pushing pitchers you obviously saw all three of the starters this weekend on a little bit of a a pitch count just trying to get extended so the 28-man roster definitely helps we we have the luxury of having some extra players and pitchers Um, but it's certainly going on throughout the game everybody's trying to be aware of it early on
1: Now, uh, it's going to change, and you'll head back to to 26, but with having 28, how much do you like that flexibility as a general manager? And even though that we're saying it's for now, could this also be kind of testing grounds and might be saying, guys, as we're moving forward in this game, you know, we were at 25, maybe, and we're now at 26, maybe 28 is the right number.
4: I don't know. It took a long time to get to 26. We, we talked about it for what felt like a decade before it actually happened. So we'll see. I mean, 28, uh, it does feel like a lot under normal circumstances. You know, right now it makes a lot of sense um, because you need the extra arms potentially. Um, and I know there are some teams out there with 15 and maybe even 16 pitchers. Um, but I, it, it feels like a lot. So I think, I think we'll see. I think 26 is probably here to stay for a while.
1: Let's play the game of known and unknown. All right, we'll start with the known. What do you know about your team? If I could say, what's going to be something that you can say, 2022, I know this about the Oakland A's?
4: Uh, I'm already worried about the unknown. Um, <laughs> but the known is I, th- I think we have guys that, that you know, are going to take advantage of their opportunity. I mean, I think we've seen guys work hard, for the three and a half weeks we were in Arizona, we seen guys come out and play with some passion the last few days, and I think guys recognize the opportunity that's in front of them. And whether you know whether you're a guy coming back from injury and getting to play again, whether you're a guy just up to the big leagues the first time, you know, I think opportunity is sort of the uh, you know the key word on this club, and, and there are guys who, who get that. So I think they know they know what's in front of them.
1: Now for the unknown, what's something that you're just going to, you know, you're going to cross your fingers every single night and you hope goes well?
4: <laughs> well, look, early on, the the, the thing I cross my fingers about is that we have enough, you know, healthy bodies to get through this, these first few weeks, and, and so far, so good. Um, but I, I think ultimately, w- what I just talked about with the known, I mean, the unknown is how, how certain players are going to really grasp that opportunity, and, and again, it's you know, you've got you know a guy like a guy like Steven Piscotty, who uh, you know has been so injured the last couple of years, finally feels healthy. How's he going to take advantage of regular playing time? Or or Steven Vogt or Jed Lowry got an opportunity late. Um, compare that to you know a guy like Kevin Smith or Christian Pache, really getting regular time in the big leagues for the first time, and how are they going to take advantage? So the the unknown is exactly the opposite of what I, I just said. Like they know the opportunity. What we don't know is how. Ultimately, how they're going to respond to it.
1: You watch Pache play, and these three games. You come away from these three games. What are you thinking about your new outfielder?
4: I think there's a lot of there's a lot of passion. There's a lot of fire there. He can certainly play center field.
1: That that was not
4: uh, that was not in question before, and we've seen him run down balls already in a big big center field in Philadelphia. Um, and we've also seen him make some adjustments at the plate. I mean, obviously, he did not. Get a lot of opportunity in Atlanta because when he was up there, he didn't have success offensively. Um, But we saw him make a couple adjustments. Hit a breaking ball down the left field line yesterday. So, look, he's he's already, you know, made a lot of friends on his team. By the way, he plays, made a lot of fans out of A's fans with his slide at home plate yesterday. And uh, he's going to continue, I think, to go out there and excite people.
1: When you look at potential, I, I, don't compare him to anybody. That's not really fair, but just you traded for him. There's a reason why you traded for him. Just how good do you think he can be? Let's be fair.
4: Oof. Uh, yeah, I always worry about making comps. I think I think Kotz made the comment in spring that the only other center fielder he's seen play that shallow is Andrew Jones. Uh, and that's not fair to anyone, particularly <laughs> someone who came up through Atlanta's, Atlanta's system. Um, but no, look, he has a chance to be a, a, dy- a dynamic player. You know, runs, throws, um, you know, he hits when, when, you know, the times he's made contact, we've seen how well the ball comes off his bat. He can hit some homers. So I, I, I wouldn't put a name on it right now other than to say uh, there's a lot, lot of potential in there.
1: You know, when when working a roster throughout a season, I'll never forget I was on a flight and I was reading this athletic article and it was about Brian Cashman in 1998, you know, fresh on the job, truly has, you know, the best modern day baseball team, most complete team we've ever seen. And he's calling Billy Bean, asking for help about metrics. And you're like, this guy wasn't even satisfied with having arguably the best team we've ever seen in modern day history. So just, just take us through your job and when you're looking at a roster, how you're never gonna be satisfied and you're always thinking about how to better the team, change the team. It's almost since we're getting out of the masters, it's almost always like a golfer always tinkering with their swing.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's what it's kind of what we, we love doing is, is putting these puzzle pieces together and part of the you know what was so frustrating about the lockout was we we just were not allowed to do our job we couldn't talk to other teams about players we couldn't talk about agents um you know we we spend so much of our time I say we our whole baseball operations group so much of our time is, is spent discussing the roster and the players and the minor leagues and how we how we get better constantly um you know we claimed a player off of waivers this morning Gabe Klobisitz who we think is a major league reliever and On paper, it looks like a very minor thing, but those are, you know, those are the moves that end up, you know, finding guys who are key contributors, hopefully. So um, it is a constant tinkering for sure and and always looking to get better. And, you know, all 40 roster spots on the the big league roster, everywhere in the minor leagues, if you can find a guy who helps just a little bit, uh, it makes a big difference.
1: You know, Mark Kotze obviously has been thinking about having this job for a long time. I know you guys have thought for a long time that he could be a big league manager, and just the scenario came to where it worked out perfectly, and you hired him to be your guy. But you always you always need someone that's there, you know, your right-hand man to say, hey, I got this idea, what do you think? We haven't talked a lot about this but just seeing him down at spring training, Brad Osmus, being a former catcher, being a former manager, having been through all of this for so long, just how important was it to pick the right guy for Mark Kotze to be able to talk to on a daily basis and, and run by some of these ideas and even for you guys in the front office can run ideas by?
4: For sure. Yeah, no, you you uh, you hit the nail on the head there. But Brad is He's been the perfect guy, and and he and Mark go back a long ways. They've known each other, living in San Diego, and and, and we, you know when Mark came in for his interview, you know part of it was asking who would be on your staff, and and Brad was in every conversation for him, and, and he has been great. We didn't we didn't really know him very well before this. We obviously interviewed him and talked to him. Uh, after Mark got his job and, and he's been great he, he's got all those things you mentioned he's got the experience of managing and running a game he's got the experience of being a big league catcher for a long time and seeing the game from that angle and uh and he's been perfect for Mark he's you know they're sort of yin and yang as far as their their personalities Mark Mark can be emotional and loud and Brad's pretty even keeled and and kind of dry humor and it, it's worked out great so far
1: And let's just end on this because continuity is a big thing with the A's. In the front office, with employees, it's just the way it is. You know, A lot of people have been around here for, for a long time. And even when you bring in new people, they're usually people you know very well. Just talk about the way you build your entire staff, whether it's the coaches, it's the front office, the people who work around the players in the front office, for God's sakes, Pam Pitts can tell you everything you need to know about this organization. Just everything around you needs to be continuity. Just talk about how you build the entire operation and how that means to you.
4: It's true. Stability and loyalty are, are big around here and, and lead, to, lead to people being around for a long time and really caring about the A's and caring about their jobs. So, no, I mean, you see it. You see it in the big league team. You see it down in the minor leagues. Uh, Keith Littman and Grady Fuson and, and it is important. I mean we just, we just played our first three games in uh, Oakland history without Steve Lucinich working in the clubhouse. So um, so that was a little strange, but it's, you know it's, it's nice to know you know, know who you're working with, know what their expectations are of you and vice versa. Yeah, it, it, it leads to a lot of great relationships and a lot of great working relationships around here.
1: Great stuff as always. First one is in the books. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the rest of the week. And uh, next time we'll see you will be for the very first homestand.
4: Sounds good. I'll see you in person next week, Chris. Take care. All right.
1: David Forrest, the general manager of the Oakland Athletics. Now, I'm sure Billy Owens, assistant GM, probably has some really uh, elaborate – we'll talk to Billy soon – comp to pache i don't know who it would be oh maybe it is andrew jones i was gonna say
3: you're not gonna say andrew jones i mean that's a bit unfair that's
1: that's <laughs> that's i mean andrew jones like if you say andrew jones andrew jones belongs in the hall of fame i'm down with that
3: i don't disagree either i think the what he was did-
1: there a better center fielder
3: that that we have seen in our lifetime, probably not. Now you could talk about Willie Mays and
1: well, yeah, that, that you, know, well, you know, no. but
3: we didn't get, we didn't see Mickey, we didn't see Willie Mays play. We no. but we've seen I saw Andrew Jones play, and I think he's the best defensive fielder my eyes have seen.
1: Okay, let's see. Now we have a few
3: guys in the league now that are good defensives like Kevin Kiermaier is great, but he, he's not a good hitter. <sighs> Griffey
1: was damn good.
3: Oh yeah, he was very good.
1: Jim Edmonds was fantastic. Steve Finley was st- fantastic. Andrew Jones, um, what's his name, played for the Blue Jays or Devon White? Oh yeah, he was good too. Devo was incredible. I, th- there's been a lot. Andrew Jones. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten gold gloves as a center fielder.
3: An- another go one currently is Harrison Bader from the Cardinals. But yeah, Andrew Jones. Look how many home runs. How many have 434s on me? He had
1: 434 home runs, 1,289 RBIs, a career OPS of 823. That's not a Hall of Famer? I mean, are you serious? And I guess I'm just going to go down his baseball reference page. He's got to have a boatload of postseason games. He played in in 11 years of postseason baseball. He played in 18... That's why the Braves guys are amazing. He played in 18 playoff series. He had 76 games in the postseason. There's guys that
3: don't even have 18 playoff at bats. This guy had 18 series. There's a lot
1: of guys who never play in the
3: postseason. Uh, that's true. I'm trying to think if there's a guy currently that's in the league. Like, we see it in the NFL a lot. Like, Takeo Spikes never played in the, in the playoffs.
1: Well, it just, you know, modern-day baseball, there's more teams in. But King, King back, Felix
3: is a good example. Never pitched in the postseason.
1: Ba- back in the day, there was the majority of guys who never played in the postseason.
3: Yeah, there wasn't. Yeah, there was as many teams that got in.
1: I mean, I mean, look, he had seventy six games. How many? Just how many plate appearances do you think Andrew Jones had in the postseason? Mm, Two hundred fifty. Two hundred and seventy nine. That was a that was close. I mean, my God, it's it's tough to like because like there's some You know, when you play in this many playoff series, there's going to be some playoff series you're amazing. Like in 1997 against the Florida Marlins. They were the Florida Marlins in 97, yeah. right? They, t- t- he hit 444 yeah. <laughs> in the series, Yeah, that's right? pretty good. And then there's going to be other series where he had a buck 11 against St. Louis in 2000. I mean, you play in this many playoff series. My God, 10 career playoff home runs, uh, 34 career playoff RB- RBIs. He's not a Hall of Famer?
3: You're talking about Yankees legend Andrew Jones, right?
1: You're talking about yeah. He played uh, played one time for the Yankees in the postseason and <laughs> their loss to Detroit. And he played one game, but you, he's not a Hall of Famer.
3: He should be. Look, if, if he get if he gets into the Hall of Fame, think of how many guys from that Braves team in the '90s and 2000s that are in Chipper, Bobby Cox, Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, Andrew Jones, maybe they should. They won 14
1: straight divisions. I mean, they're I mean, 14 <laughs> straight, and people. Well, sometimes the division wasn't that great. They won 14 straight. Look how tough it was for the A's. The A's recently were on a run that made the playoffs three straight years, didn't make it last year, but won 86 games. Think of 14 years. Think of the amount of players that you got to have in a 14-year span to be able to make the playoffs. That many years in a row. And to win your division that many years in a row. The greatness that is. I know they only won one World Series, but I don't care. You win that many, it it really is unbelievable. So you know what? They should have a bunch of Hall of Famers. Because it is arguably, I don't even think arguably, it's the greatest modern-day run in professional baseball. Is there anybody, who else could, the Dodgers
3: were st- were starting to get there but they didn't win the division last year. So that runs over. But the
1: Dodgers are only at 8.
3: Yeah, well it's over now. <laughs> the Giants won it last year.
1: It's 8.
3: Yeah. Uh You're
1: not even even you're not even in double digits yet. But no, but I'll give the Dodgers like if the Dodgers win the next 3 or 4 divisions and another World Series, that's on track.
3: I don't know. I, people are panicking about the Dodgers right now.
1: Well, that takes <laughs> us to our overreact what by the way? How long are we on today?
3: We're on until about 225. That's it? Yeah.
1: Our first show is that short?
3: Well, the you know, Ace Total Access comes up at 240, and first pitch in St. Petersburg is at 340, our time 640 Eastern for our East Coast fans.
1: Well, I love overreaction. If you're going to be paying attention, and you should, to NBC Sports California this year, Ace Pre and Post Game Live, you're going to see yours truly doing a bunch of hits every single day for their show. And the one that I recorded today is about the overreactions that we're seeing so far. We do have teams that have four games in, right? Uh,
3: yes. Right? Yes. Uh, there are some teams that have, like the Padres and Diamondbacks played a four-game series.
1: So I said, I'm just going to check to make sure that I'm right or my hit's going to be wrong. Yeah, so the Mets have played four games Padres have played four games. Nationals Dodgers or Nationals Astros Islanders. have played four games. Oh yeah, by the
3: way, Angels. The Angels are going to be the team this year. They're one in three already.
1: So overreaction Monday. Three to four games in. People are starting to freak out. We got some highlights for you. First one is going to be um I think I knew where you're going
3: here. If you had this guy on your bingo card for first Dodgers home run.
1: Did you have let's play it? Payoff pitches drilled in the air to left field, and the first
0: home run of 2022 belongs to Austin Barnes. The game is tied at
1: one. Of course, Austin Barnes.
3: If you had Austin Barnes, the backup catcher for the Dodgers, as the first guy to hit a home run for the vaunted Dodgers offense that only hit one against the Rockies in Colorado, oh, you Panic, win. panic yeah, time. I, I would, I would, uh, as we like to play on this show. Panic it, time. It's time to.
1: Is it time for the Dodgers to pivot and unload everybody? Where's Bellinger going?
3: Uh, Oh, boy. But he had two hits yesterday. Cody Bellinger's back.
1: Call the Red Sox. Can you trade Mookie back? Uh, Where are you shipping Kershaw to? Is he going to Texas? They can use a starter. I'd hold on to him to the all-star break (laughs) and then to see. Walker Buehler, got to go. Bye-bye. So, there's an overreaction. The Dodgers aren't going to hit this year. They're in trouble. That, that offense showed, you can't hit a Coors Field, where can you hit? Freddie Freeman, is he, is he regretting uh, signing remorse? Speaking of Freddie Freeman, do we want to play this? I, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. Go ahead. This ball hammered center. Senzel on the run. Still going. Goodbye.
0: He is going to trot around the bases. First Atlanta homer for Matt Olson.
3: Matt happened also had his first run yesterday
1: as well. So, Matt Olson, off to a good start for the Braves. Good to see because now when, when you, you get a couple extra base hits, you hit the ball out of the yard. Now the whole Freddie Freeman thing, because I can tell you, I was just in Atlanta, Atlanta, and I was in Augusta, Georgia, and talked to a couple Braves fans. Braves fans weren't thrilled. Now, if I could talk to those same Braves fans that I saw, what day did I get there? I got there on Tuesday morning. So I was out Tuesday, Wednesday. They were not thrilled. Matt Olsen was not well-received, and not his fault, right? That's not his fault. But I guarantee you, over this weekend, everybody's like, wait, we got this guy? For cheaper and way more years. Um, that would be uh, that would be the deal.
3: You got a standing ovation as first to bat. Yeah, why, why are Braves fans happy with him? He's
1: eight for fourteen now, to start the year. I want to say the guy that I one of the guys I was talking to had a Fre- Freddie Freeman jersey on. Oh, of course
3: he did. I I didn't look to see how. Let me pull. It. How how's a Freddie doing with the uh. The Dodgers, you know, they only have one home run. They won one game in Colorado. I'm not saying the Colorado Rockies are going to win the NL West, but let me pull up old Freddie Freeman's stats here in a second, and let's just see how he's been doing for the Dodgers in their first, well, they play three games this year uh, after signing that massive deal. Let's see, Freddie Freeman, after I said Cody Bellinger got some hits. Freddie Freeman's hitting 167. He was one for five yesterday. Uh, are you panicking about Freddie Freeman? Because Matt Olson, like I said, eight for 14, he, you know, it was funny because Chip, uh, Chip Carey talked about, because Hunter Green, the highly regarded prospect for the Reds, who throws 102, made his debut yesterday. He was, Matt Olson was his first strikeout. He was the first hit he allowed, and I believe he was the first home run that Hunter Green allowed. So Matt Olson and him are going to be linked forever if Hunter Green has a great career and goes on to become a Hall of Famer or something like that.
1: I uh, Just, you know, real real easy will be this. Freddie Freeman is going to get older. Here he is. No, he's going to get to, well, everybody gets older, yeah. <laughs> Captain Obvious, but he's going to get older, like he'll be like 35, and who knows how he'll age, and Matt Chapman, as we know, is going to be a, is a star, and when Matt Chapman is in his prime hitting all these home runs and Freddie Freeman's older and he's playing on the West Coast, Braves fans will forget about, they'll cherish Freddie Freeman and what he did for them. He's a great player, uh, left a World Series champion, but, Matt Olson in my opinion at at the very worst will get you know barring injury at the very worst will be a guy who gets Hall of Fame votes I don't know if he'll be a Hall of famer but he'll get Hall of Fame votes
3: he might and I think you said what well, he no you, no. you said he think he will you think get Hall of fame get, votes. you said he'd
1: get 400 home runs too right he will get Hall of Fame votes i I don't know how many will he get the 75 percent? He will, my prediction, will get Hall of Fame votes. He'll be – everybody gets on the ballot after 10 years. He'll definitely do that. But he people will vote for him. He's just – that's how good of a play. When it's all said and done, and now that he's playing on the East Coast, now he's going to a team to where i got to thank the Braves for the next couple of years, high-profile team. Not exactly the way they were in the, in the Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz era. And Chipper Jones, but they're going to be pretty high profiled, and he's going to. And I still think he'll win an MVP someday. Um, he'll get MVP votes, and people will thank Freddie Freeman, but will not miss him the way they think because they just got a younger, better version. They just don't know. I mean, let's face it: when you're on the East Coast and you're a guy that grew up on the East Coast, Cody, that it's a three-hour difference. Ace games are being played at seven o. What, what's our first pitch? Seven o four exactly. Or well, six, now it's
3: six forty, but it used to be like no,
1: seven o seven.
3: Yeah, that's always yeah or yeah seven o seven or seven o eight.
1: Well, that's ten o seven there.
3: Yeah, they're they're not staying up long enough. They're not
1: staying up. They're not staying up. You, what do you think? People are getting up the next day and seeing the highlights. People are going to work, so they don't know. They will know, and we're gonna root for Matt Olson. How ma- How about they giveth and they taketh. That would be, so far, your Toronto Blue Jays. Well, Buck, I think he's going to put the jacket on.
0: I guess he got in the gym. Holy smokes, did he hit that one. 117 miles an hour off the bat and a bullet. Welcome to the club, buddy. What a shot off the bat of Guerrero for his first of the season.
1: That was a bomb. It was. That was a bomb.
3: 467 was the distance.
1: But they're worried. Barrios didn't give them a whole lot of innings early in opening day. They're a little worried. Are they going to be like the 98 99 Texas Rangers that all hit no pitch? Is it going to be are they going to are they going to blow past the record of home runs hit the, a couple of years ago by the, the by the Minnesota Twins will they hit the most home runs and give up the most home runs
3: who owns that record most home runs allowed it wow. happened recently well I think it was the same year the twins broke it they this team said it
1: uh was it the Orioles it was the
3: Orioles that year
1: <laughs> well they gave up like the most home runs ever to one team in a season the Yankees
3: and Glaber Torres I think he hit most of them uh what's funny about the the Blue Jays breaking the record? The team right now that has the most home runs in baseball, the Minnesota Twins, with nine. So they add Carlos Correa. Byron Buxton's healthy, but yeah, the Blue Jays are going to hit a lot of home runs. The question is, will they keep a lot of home? Will they keep a lot of balls in the yard by their pitching staff? Their pitching staff, on paper, was supposed to be good with Gossman and Barrios and Ryu and Kikuchi and Alec Manoa. But the first three games, I know they're two and one, but they had to come back from a seven-zero deficit in opening day. They won on Saturday, then they blew a lead. They were up 6-1 yesterday, and they blew that game. So, I mean, good for Texas. Texas has no pitching either. John Gray, their big free agent signing as a pitcher, is already on the injured list with a blister. Pitch one game. You give him, like, $50 million, he's hurt already. It's a good investment.
1: Oops. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. Overreaction Monday. Bobby Witt Jr. is now the greatest prospect to ever come up in the history of baseball. Line
0: to left field, into the corner. Base hit number one, RBI number one, and Bobby Witt Jr. gives the Royals the lead in the bottom of the eighth.
3: That's on courtesy Bally Sports Kansas City. Bobby Witt Jr., the number two ranked prospect I believe he was coming into the season, Adley Rushman, the Orioles' top prospect who still hasn't debuted yet as a college guy at Oregon State, is uh, still number one. But this kid, he looks the part for Kansas City. And he's hitting – he's starting to – he had a nice weekend against the Guardians, although the Guardians put up 17 runs against Kansas City yesterday.
1: So my wife on my way back from my trip asked me if I saw any celebrities while I was at Augusta. I did. You want to know who it is? Let's hear it. Talk about big times. Former Kansas City Royal. The next George Brett. Uh, at the University of Nebraska. Oh, Alex Gordon. So I'm like... He's Mr. Royal. I'm like looking at this guy, and I'm like, God, this guy looks familiar. And we're walking, I look over, I'm like, how do I know this guy? You know how you just know somebody? But you can't, like... You, Pick, you you're, can't you're picture his name. And, like, how do I know? and then it does that's Alex Gordon. So I said to my wife, I saw Alex Gordon. And you know what she said? Who? Who? Yes. So he's the biggest... Bobby Witt, Jr., his dad, former pitcher for the A's. They would have been the California Angels back in the day. Pitch for the A's, I believe, too. But that's his prime was the Angels. Um, the biggest prospect since Alex Gordon.
3: Okay, a lot. He's hitting 167 and 12 at bats, but he does have two doubles. Both of his hits are doubles, I'm pretty sure.
1: Well, the list is overreaction.
3: Yeah, well, it's a time that did the Royals make a mistake. Should they send him back down?
1: Do you, do you have one of the highlights of...
3: Syndergaard, Thor. I do. I have, like, the thing with Maddie V on the call, our, our good friend.
1: One yes, year. Noah Syndergaard. OK, go ahead. Well, I mean, you already played it. All ahead. right. Angel debut. The 29-year-old former
0: All-Star is set to begin his Los Angeles career in earnest tonight after a really encouraging spring training run through the Cactus League. Two balls and two
2: strikes to Jose Altuve.
0: On the ground away. The turn by Duffy in the double play.
3: Thor looked good in his first start with the Angels. I don't know if will he be a lifetime Angel. I don't think so. He has signed a one-year deal, but people are forgetting. Whoa, 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 whoa. People are forgetting who pitched in that game against him. Justin Verlander returned, too.
1: I think you need to slow down. If there's anybody who's desperate for pitching, if there's anybody who would overpay for pitching, if there was a team that you could go to that you just got to, like, show life and they're so desperate, that would be the Los Angeles, California, Anaheim of Disney Angels. He's in the perfect spot. They, they, They haven't been able to produce pitching. And they haven't been able to get the Garrett Coles of the world to sign with them. So uh, for Thor, and as much as I can't stand the Angels, I'm happy for him. He's electric. He's been one of the great arms. Would love, 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 love to – I would love to see him do well, you know, because he could be a lot of fun to watch in Major League Baseball. But if there was ever a spot that you could be, you perform well and you can get paid – because they need it, it would be Thor. And, yeah, going up against Verlander. Verlander may be our last shot. You know, it's going to be easier to root for Verlander now because it's not like the A's were going to be chasing the, the Astros anymore. I would like to see Verlander get to 300 wins because it's going to be the last time in our lifetime. Now, could there be some kid who's in elementary school right now? <laughs> Maybe. Is there a kid in high school or junior high? But by the time that guy comes along, because you got to pitch. Who's the quickest of 300 wins? Modern-day history. Like, not counting Cy Young, who knows how fast he did it. He had 511 victories, so he got there probably pretty quick. They racked up victories like you wouldn't believe.
3: Um, if I had to guess, modern it had to be Maddox or Clemens, right? Uh Oh, you're asking. I, you, I, I asked you, you the
1: question. I don't have the answer. I thought, you, I thought
3: you knew the answer, and you're asking me. Let me look at it. Well, up. I can
1: give you this. Do you know the A's have only drawn four walks and 105 plate appearances? Yeah,
3: that's not good. But you want to know something. Who's the? I wanted to bring this up. I'm glad you mentioned that. Who's the active stolen base leader in Major League Baseball, career-wise?
1: Billy Hamilton? No.
3: That'd be the great Elvis Andrews. From the A's. is the lead, current leader in stolen bases.
1: That is sad.
3: Glenn Kuiper mentioned it on opening day that, that Elvis leads or has the most stolen bases in baseball right now.
1: Wow, that is sad.
3: Um, I don't know who Kid Nichols is, but he was the youngest pitcher to win 300 games. Uh, he was 30. I'm trying to see. I typed in who won, who got the 30 the fastest, or 300 the fastest. I'll find it. I'll find it, though. I mean, because is like 226 or 227. So, realistically, he needs like 70-something more wins to get there, and he's, what, 38, 39. It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough for him to get there. But if Houston still plays like they've been playing, they're 3-1, he might have a good shot to get there.
1: He's our last. It's not going to be Grinky. No. And after Grinky, who's the next closest? Kershaw? He's not getting there.
3: Scherzer? He's not getting there either.
1: I don't know, Scherzer's 38.
3: Yeah, he's getting up there too. So
1: I mean, we're 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 at a point where if you want to see a 300 game winner one more time in our lifetime, this guy's it. This guy's the only possible shot at doing it. And it'll be easier to to swallow this accomplishment now that the A's are not chasing the Astros anytime soon. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, it could be this year. That's why you play the games. Could be next year. Could be the year after that. I don't believe if he is going to stick around long term that it will be with the Astros who will probably win 300 games. I think he'll probably have to – he's going to have to chase this accomplishment, different teams at a much lower rate of money that he's being paid now. You know, by the time he – I mean, he's got a long way to go, right? And so when he starts getting into the 280s, you know, Verlander's not going to be your number one guy. You're probably going to pay him one year, two years, $10 million per, something like that. I mean, so who – I mean, who would have ever thought Tom Seaver would be a Chicago White Sox, right?
3: Uh, we're, who, Who'd Randy Johnson win a game with?
1: That would be the San Francisco Giants. Yeah,
3: because yeah, I think of Randy Johnson when I think of the Giants.
1: You think of Randy Johnson as a yank, an old Yankee? <laughs> yeah. I, think I mean, he... you don't know. I mean, you really don't know. So, I I would bet right now, though, if Justin Verlander gets number 300, it won't be in an Astros uniform.
3: Could it be with Detroit? Could he go back and win it with Detroit? I mean, that'd be. Could be with the A's. That's true. Tell, for, tell right now, won't be with Baltimore. Because I don't think they're going to be winning, winning a lot of games anytime soon. They're 0-3 to start the year. But, yeah, it could be could be the A's. Could be, I mean, it could be anyone. I I put their uh, – we'll, we'll throw the Pirates out, too. So, there's 28 possibilities where Verlander could do it.
1: I do want to get to – do we have any more key ones? Oh, do we have the greatest Chicago Cub of all time? Yeah, we do. Let's Please fight. give me the greatest Chicago Cub. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Suzuki drives one in the air. Deep left center. Get out the team. Measure lead 3 to nothing. Sayak Suzuki with his first big league home run Sayak Suzuki first big league home run
3: That's uh, the great Pat Hughes on the call for Marquee Sports Network in Chicago, San Jose
1: State legend. Sayak Suzuki, move over Cap Anson, move over Ron Santo, move over Ryan Sandberg and move over the great Let's play two, Ernie Banks. Say yes, Suzuki, <laughs> the greatest Chicago Cub in the history of this great franchise playing at Wrigley Field. Uh,
3: I like him, uh, but then again, I'm a huge Ichiro fan. Everyone knows that. Um, he's not Ichiro.
1: What does Ichiro have to do with this? Well, I'm
3: just saying because Ichiro is 27 also. We're when talking he about did
1: greatest it. Cub of all time.
3: Um, I like the way he plays. Where's like,
1: Sammy Sosa on this list? You know, Sammy Sosa? Where's
3: Chris Bryant? Chris Bryant.
1: Where's Sammy Sosa on this list? The only man to hit sixty home runs or more three, three straight time, yeah, three, three times. Three, <laughs> three straight st- years, yeah. Three straight years.
3: Uh what other, I know we're forgetting another cub. That's probably pretty good. Mark Grace. Mark, Yeah, that's that's one. Um, I don't know if we, do we consider. Andre
1: Dawson was an MVP with the Chicago Cubs. Do we
3: consider Pryor and Kerry Wood Cub greats? God,
1: you have no baseball knowledge. You can only stay in a very slow. You can only stay in a certain range if you're bringing up Kerry Wood. Greg Maddox yeah. as a Chicago Cubs. Uh, how about Fergie Jenkins, Hall oh, of Famer. He's a Hall of Famer. As a Chicago... See, you can't predate. You only have a certain era in your mind.
3: Because I lived through those guys playing for
1: them. Fergie Jenkins, you don't know who Fergie I Jenkins? I do, but I Is? wasn't. I
3: wasn't watching a pitch in the seventies.
1: How about Rick Sutcliffe?
3: He's also with the Cubs. as a broadcaster.
1: As he came over in 1984. Won this Cy Young, I
3: believe. Correct. From Cleveland, I think he was traded from. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Cleveland. Ooh, I'd have to look.
1: No, it wasn't. God, who was that? Was he with the Dodgers? He was with the Dodgers at one point. If it wasn't the if it
3: wasn't them, uh yeah. Boy. Uh yeah. Cleveland
1: had a huge year. So, we have any more on that list that are worth playing or can I go to my pitchcom? Uh we oh, could... by the way, uh the Red Sox own Garrett Cole. One of the bring... Book
3: it. One of the... Book it. But speaking of Cole, Cole was complaining after the game.
1: Oh, because the game started. The four game minutes. started four
3: to, four minutes later than I was supposed to. I'm sorry. That throw off your entire your whole thing. I mean, come on, man. Really? You still he, won the game. He he seemed won. He seems Garrett Cole. You used to love him as a pirate. I don't know. Not much you, anymore.
1: He is now Garrett Cole is now at a point. He seems like a pain in the ass. I'm just gonna. It's just gonna. It, it is what it is. Just the more you hear about his first couple of years in Houston and you hear about the years in New York, he just seems like a pain. And is there anything worse than dealing with a pain who only goes once every five days? He now has a 5.79 ERA in his last six starts against the Red Sox. That includes last year's wild card game. Now, you want to be the highest paid guy, you want to make that kind of money, and you want to play for the Yankees, you better not struggle against the Red Sox. Because if you struggle against the Red Sox, you are going to hear it big time. One thing I wanted to get into today, uh, the A's are using it. I believe we talked about it last time we were on the air, which would have been down at spring training, and could be a really good good tool for everybody. Yeah, you know what we did? We talked to Emo about it, Pitchcom.
3: Yeah, I have the audio of Emo talking about it too.
1: So Pitchcom basically is a device that fits on your wrist, and it's got nine different buttons, and it allows the catcher to hit the button, and it says slider outside. I've never heard the actual voice that's going to, because there's a listening device that you are able to have in your hat, I don't know. It can give it to you in multiple languages. So I believe it can give it to you in Spanish and Japanese. But you'll hear, however you say slider in Spanish, outside in Spanish, that's what it'll say. And so it can be fastball up and in, fastball down, whatever. It'll tell you what the pitch is and the location, right? We're trying to get away from sign stealing, which I got a text, whether you believe it or not, people are already trying to hack this.
3: Remember, uh, Eno Sarah told us so that it could be hacked. Remember, we were talking about that whole already. I, I don't th- know
1: if this is illegal. I just it's like, oh, my God, can we just stop this? But here you go. Sinzel, the center fielder for the Reds, made some spectacular catches over the weekend against the Braves, and he credited it to Pitchcom and said that it was Pitchcom Oh, we're going to our next guest already?
3: Uh, in, in, in two minutes.
1: So you have time. So I don't – I really want to – Neil Solon's is going to join us. From the Rays. From the Rays. We'll see with, if the Rays are using it. But Sinzel talked about how it really helped me, and I thought, you know, if you're really a student of the game, how you could really utilize this on every single pitch – from a standpoint of anticipation, knowing the hitter, knowing that the fastball is going to go wherever it is on whatever zone, breaking pitch, knowing the pitcher, knowing what a slider looks like, split, change, whatever, knowing where it's going to be pitched, once again, and knowing the hitter, how you can help position yourself. It. Sinzel talked about how it helped him a lot this weekend. So he's out in center field and he hears slider outside or he hears fastball up and in or fastball down away. Whatever the terminology is coming from the pitch comp, he hears it and he can now anticipate, well, I know if I got a guy up on the mound blowing 98 miles an hour and he's throwing a fastball outside to a right-handed hitter and a guy who's not a pull hitter, guess what I can probably think about as as an outfielder? Guy's throwing hard. Outside corner, I'm a center fielder. I know that's going to be a fastball outside, probably going to be 98 miles an hour, and I've read the scouting report. The guy at the plate is not a pull hitter. It is, he's not going to pull it. He's not True. a pull yes. hitter. It's a fastball outside. So I, not I, knowing that if I'm somebody like Sinzel, that I don't have to cheat but I can anticipate that the ball's not going to get pulled because he's not a pull hitter, and my guy on that. Pitch com can be something that can be really good for defenses and can speed up the games. Do we have Neil? Neil, you're on with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Great to have you on again.
2: Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: So we're, we got the A's. We're just talking about Pitchcom and Sinzel over the weekend. Talk about how much it helped him in their series against the Braves playing center field for the Reds. A's are using it. Uh, tell us, are the Rays using it, and how do they like it so far?
2: Yeah, I think probably the Rays are using it as much as any club. Um, they really used it a lot in spring training, and I think there was a great comfort level. You know, I think for a number of reasons. One, you know, I think for the pitchers, it probably gets them in a better rhythm um, because I think the catchers have been quick to adapt to, to use it and quick to get you know signs uh, or, or signals as to what the pitch is going to be. Um, so I think for that reason it, it really helps the rhythm of the pitcher. Obviously, you know it can help in potential sign stealing you know uh, against veteran clubs. Um, but I think also it helps the you know infielders, or outfielders if they're using it that they don't have to you know squint and try and make sure they know what the sign is this way they hear it um and it allows them to um you know be more athletic and and you know have a real good feel for what's going on uh and what to anticipate um so I think it should help all the way around And and at least I noticed when pitchers were using them I thought pace of play and tempo was a lot better on the mound
1: Yeah, and I think if you're really a student of the game and you're studying the hitters and you know whether a guy's a pull guy, not a pull guy, you know, he likes to go the opposite way, you know your pitcher, velocity and stuff – a real student of the game, wouldn't you say defensively, can not only, I mean, we're positioning guys like never before, but you can also take it upon yourself or your reaction time uh, using Pitchcom and having that little device in your hat, knowing what's coming to really anticipate where the ball could be hit.
2: You could. The one thing you want to make sure you're not doing is cheating a couple steps. Because if you start to do that, maybe a hitter is also smart enough to realize, oh, I see what he's doing here. They're probably going, you know, with a fastball or they're probably going off speed. So I think that the biggest key area is not to give away what you're about to receive, um, you know, or what's being thrown because you want to make sure there are hitters who are smart in this league. And especially if there's guys on base, they may be able to pick up cues too. So it, it probably goes both ways, but I definitely think it will help the fielders.
1: And that's what I love about baseball because as a fielder, if you know that hitters are doing that, you could start deking hitters on from that perspective. You
2: can. It's definitely going to be a game of you know cat and mouse um, and a little bit of a chess game as we go. You know, I certainly think that it's good that the technology is there. and I think um you know, I think right now the Rays are comfortable using it. You know, I think it remains to be seen they are in an indoor facility right now. It remains to be seen, let's say, if it's, you know, 50,000 plus people in New York, how that impacts the ability to hear. Um, I will say the guys had to adjust the volume for opening day when it was sold out. Um, and, And but they said that even though they heard it clearly, You know, they don't think anyone around them could hear it, which is good that, you know, base runners or someone like that wasn't picking up what the signs were.
1: I always love talking about numbers when someone wants a number. Tell us. I I read this a while ago. I don't know where we are with it. Uh, Manager and pitcher. There was some type of uh, issue with the number 16. Where are we with that now?
2: I don't think we're going to have any issue with that. I mean, it was it was all fun and jazz. So tonight started Luis Batino. He wore 61 last year, and he would prefer to wear number 16, which <laughs> is the manager Kevin Cash. And I think Kevin and, and uh, uh, Luis Batino, who's you know only 22 years of age, said you you want to wear 16. You do something special this year, and you know if he has a, a great year, you know I'm sure they will discuss the possibility. In the meanwhile, Luis has gone to number one. He said, you know, a couple of reasons. I think his, his dad has a birthday on the first of a month or, or a year. Um, also, he really respected Willie Adamus, who was here prior to Juan Franco taking over at short. And he said, three, one will remind me to always be first and always be working and always be disciplined. So uh, he's got good reasons to wear one. And hopefully it's a lucky number for him either way.
1: Yeah, it's like one of those you win the Cy Young, you can have whatever number you want
2: as long i don't know if you have to go that far but i think you know Luis's growth is a big part of this pitching staff i mean i think just like oakland has some you know really young pitchers you know i I think Luis is only 22 and certainly is a big part of this ball club they've got a lot of young pitching talent on this race team um and that's the reason that they're expected to contend in the american league east Um, but i think if patino really is able to grow i think especially against left-hand hitters this year i think it goes a long way toward his evolution
1: you know, Wander Franco has been on this tear. If I'm seeing these numbers right, his last 50 games, he's hitting three thirty five, His OPS is off the charts. 25 extra base hits, 32 RBIs. You know, dating back to last year and obviously got off to a, uh, you know, the first three games got off to a great start. But just what has this 50-game stretch been like? The numbers are off the charts.
2: He's just special. I mean, Wander Franco is, for me, you know, he has the ability to be, you know, a top five, top 10 player in the game, period. That's why he got the contract he did. I mean, you know, I think the Rays recognize how important he is. I mean, as a switch hitter who has the bat control that he does, the ability to put a ball in play, the speed he does. And and what I love is, is just, A, his defense continues to improve, but more than that, I think, you know, guys who saw him in spring training felt that he was the same guy now than he was before the contract. You know, he wants to win. He was the last guy. When the, when the Rays lost to Boston last year at Fenway and lost the ALDS, he was the last guy to leave that dugout. He watched. He watched Boston celebrate. He wanted to remember that moment and remember how he wanted to feel this year. And I think he's put the work in. Uh, and so far, so good. You know, it's a long year. It's just one opponent. It's one series. As you know, the game is all about how you produce day-to-day and adjust month-to-month and game-to-game, and I think he's got all the ability to be able to do that and do it really, really well.
1: Yeah, it's something that we don't talk a whole heck of a lot about, but it is the reality, really, of in, in all of professional sports. It doesn't matter uh, whether we're talking the NFL or the NBA or the NHL. It's like you come into the league – And the league and you are going to have this dance of this adjustment period. And it really happens for your entire career because you're going to change and the league will always change. And how they're playing you now is going to be different than when you're 35 years old. So it's something that we see is that that game of adjustments and how you do in that game of adjustments will define how your career goes.
2: Exactly. And I think he just has the ability and the understanding and the aptitude to adapt. I mean, that that's the thing that stood out. You know, I, I look at just the way he carries himself, um, you know, and the things that he picks up. I remember a particular game last year against the White Sox where his first at bat, he fell behind early in the count. He swung through a fastball. And then he's fouling off pitches from the left side, you know, upper outside corner at 96, 97, 98 miles an hour. And the thing that stood out to me then was, boy, most guys can't even come close to touching that. He's fighting it off and waiting to see another pitch. Well, his second plate appearance, he comes up, first pitch is 98, outside corner, and he hits it off the center field wall. And I, you just don't see guys do that. And you just marvel and appreciate just how good he is.
1: Yeah, he's definitely a special talent. And the Rays, and we're going to talk a lot about them and the Jays this year and the East and the East with the Yankees and the Red Sox. But actually, I look at this first three games, you know, most people are going to be like, ah, it's only three games. But when you're in a loaded division, sometimes you look back and you say – How do you do against the one bad team everybody feasts on? And years ago, for us out west, that team actually was the Astros. When they were rebuilding, it was like, all right, Mm -hmm. who's going to dominate and rack up all the wins? We called them the Lastros back then. Uh, A lot has changed since then, of course, obviously. But just, you know, 3-0 against the Orioles, it's kind of mission accomplished. Just how big is it that you do well against the Orioles when the competition is going to do the same?
2: It, It matters. It really does. And it mattered last year. You know, the Rays won 100 games, but one big reason was they were 18 and 1 against Baltimore. And I don't think you can replicate going 18 and 1 against that same team in back-to-back years. But every game you win uh, against Baltimore more than more than Toronto, more than New York, more than Boston, to me goes away toward trying to win this division, and certainly winning this division versus a wild card situation. I think is a distinct advantage. Um, You know, it didn't work out necessarily that way last year, but I definitely think more times than not, it's going to, if you've got to play fewer games and you can rest your guys, Um, you know, so I definitely think that, that the wins you collect against any team, especially early in the year are going to matter. If you can create some cushion and a little separation, it certainly would help.
1: When you look at the East and we obviously have a long way to go, Uh, take the Rays out of it. How do you see the East this year?
2: Um, I think all, I mean, uh, Fangrass, I think at one point has the top four teams at 88 and 74. Um, I I don't expect them all to end up that way, but I definitely could see where I wouldn't be shocked if it did end up that way. Um, You know, I think that, you know, all four teams have a lot of talent. I think people probably are underestimating New York a little bit. In terms of their overall talent, I think they improve themselves immensely defensively. um, And I think they're a little more balanced than Toronto is right now. Um, I think that they probably have a little more pitching than the Blue Jays. I think the one edge that probably we really can't quantify is how teams are going to be impacted by going across um, the border and how many players teams may be missing. And I guess Toronto goes to, to Oakland. Um, or Oakland goes to Toronto next. Um, But I think that's going to be a distinct advantage for the Blue Jays this year, a really big home field edge after basically being a vagabond team the last two years during the pandemic.
1: Yeah, that was really impressive. I mean, you think about spending time in Buffalo, time in your spring training site, and, you know, now they're going to be home. And as you said, we're going to experience it like we don't know on our team who's vaccinated, Mm -hmm. who's not. We're now going to find out because there's some teams. I think one team that we end up hearing about in spring training last year uh, was like the Arizona Dimebacks. They never even got to 85. percent So, like, if a team like that heads north of the border, wow, well, that's going to be big news, don't you think? Well, I mean,
2: even if you're missing one player, but the one player is really marquee. Let's say he's your three or four hitter, and you yeah. got to take him out, or your two hitter, and you got to take him out of the lineup for three days, and you make three trips. Like Oakland makes one trip in this division, you could make three trips to Toronto. Well, you know, if you're playing nine games or 10 games at a facility, instead of going four and five or five and four, you go two and seven. I mean, those two games that you lose or three games that you lose because you don't have a star player could be the swing and difference between winning the division, not winning the division, making the playoffs, not making the playoffs, hosting a wild card, not hosting a wild card. It all will mean something. So you know, for those reasons, I'm curious how it plays out. I think we'll probably have a better idea after the first month or two.
1: That's a great point because, you know, out here we're thinking of it as a one-time trip, not in division where, man, I mean, like, you have one of your best pitchers out, you have one of your best position players out. That really could change the game. Let's end on this. Uh, new rules. Obviously, the way we're going to be able to shuttle guys back and forth from triple A. Um, the Rays have been fantastic over the years, utilizing the rules to their advantage. How do you see new rules affecting the team?
2: Yeah, I don't think as greatly as you'd think. I mean, last year they had to use a record 61 players and 38 pitchers. And a lot of it was because of, you know, everything that happened in 20 and the players they had injured. And I think they're just going to have to do things slightly differently. I think they had three players that had more than five options. Um, last year. I think the one thing that is unique though, is that April doesn't count toward your options, nor did March this year. So it starts on May 2nd. Um, so you're really talking about five options in five months. Um, I think that's probably pretty fair and reasonable overall. I think the Giants and Dodgers had more players that were optioned more than five times. Yeah. the most they, they' had the most of it in the big leagues. And, and you know, I think people look at this as a raise thing because there were three guys that were optioned more than that. But I think both those teams had more than that. Um, I I think the Rays are going to be smart and judicious. And I think ideally they don't want to have to option players up and down as much as they did. I think a lot of it just had to do with injuries and and stability. And and the hope is that that's a, a, you know, a non-factor as the year goes on.
1: Hey, great stuff. We always appreciate the time. Enjoy the series and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, getting a look at uh, what's going on with the Tampa Bay Rays, who, you know, let's face it, they are a team, a franchise, very similar to the A's in a lot of different ways. And we have said for years, and I don't want to keep harping on it, but it is kind of the, you know, they're like the East Coast version of us. Now, not from how the team's going to play this year, But in the past, yeah, we've both been very successful. Both are looking for new ballparks. They've come up with crazy ideas that have now been shot down, like playing half their their home games in Montreal, half their home games in St. Petersburg. Crazy, that's not going to happen. But, yeah, they're very similar. They're looking for a new home also. And so we kind of root for them. And their broadcast team has been very good to us here on A's Cast Live. You know, whether it's you know what we're doing here, like in the home studio, or what we're doing at the Coliseum when they'll all come down onto the field. They've been really good to us. So I don't like the Rays when the A's take on the Rays, but I do like them when. Oh, I do uh, like them when we're not playing them. Yep. I will definitely root for the Rays over the Yankees and the Red Sox. Uh,
3: so they're your AL East team over uh, Toronto too.
1: I don't have teams, Cody, but uh, I will root for them. I'm not going to say I'm a Rays fan, and I'm not going to root for that new awful mascot. Have you seen the new mascot they got rolling out? Uh, I have not. Rayman uh, or whatever it is. He's it's like a, a Rays costume that just goes down to the waist with like the flippers. Interesting. It's terrible looking.
3: Uh, well, I, wonder, I wonder. They should have. They should have like a former player. Every home stand play, be Ray Man, Rays Man, uh, or whatever his name is. I should.
1: I, I. God, I saw this on the plane. Let's see,
3: Rays. Because uh, that would be funny if they had like, you know, uh, Carl Crawford come back and be him, or uh, I would say Longoria, but he's hurt for the Giants right now. Um, uh, Andy Saunusstein. Like I'm just going through old former Rays. Uh, Stinger. Stinger, okay.
1: Stinger is the new <laughs> Rays.
3: <Man. laughs> I, th- I think Raysman would actually be kind of funny. If that was the name.
1: Wait a minute, well, no, wait a minute. Stinger's been around since 2014. This is not Stinger. Yeah, okay. Name. Who is the, the new Rays mascot? It's like a. Let's see, 2022 Rays mascot. Okay, Stinger doesn't make sense. This is just like a like a like a Sesame Street looking. This it would have nothing to do with the Rays.
3: Um, it says on, I'm on the Ray's website. Ray's ma- – I'm clicking on it. Ray's mascots, according to Ray's.com, there's Ray Mend. Okay, that's the one that looks like Sesame Street. Yep. And then there's uh, – let's see. There's DJ Kitty. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's Stinger. Stinger. That's <laughs> what I saw. Okay, yeah. How long has he been around? Stinger He's, 2014. 20, okay, yeah. So, Stinger – I thought that was new. Obviously not new. It's someone wearing a, a costume that basically a half the uh you're half the man array
3: Okay. It, Raymond's been around since ninety eight, so since the team started. And then the other one, DJ Kitty,'s been around since 2010. DJ Kitty.
1: Why do the Rays have
3: three mascots? I
1: have no they have more mascots than fans. But we can't say <laughs> much, so I can't I can't throw that.
3: They had a sellout on opening day. The Rays? They should. Well They're arguably that's because apparently they tarped off the 300 sections. That's why they sold out the stadium. That's what the starts. place is awful. <laughs> Having been
1: there, it is awful. Well, can't Vincent been are
3: there right now, so
1: <laughs> I got to tell you, it is awful. It is one of the worst uh, stadiums I've ever been to. It's not. It's like it's like it's like a it's like a blown up basketball arena is what it is, and it's old and like but it's, it's dark it, and it's just it's awful. And
3: then the Bucks play Raymond James Stadium, which is nice, and the Lightning play
1: Super Bowls there. The, the Lightning Arena is pretty cool too, but that's not where they play. I know. That's well, that's in, that Tampa. Tampa. Yeah, this is St. Petersburg. Where everybody goes to retire. It's like a completely – St. Petersburg is a completely different world than Tampa.
3: Maybe they should build a stadium in Boca Boca Raton then.
1: Boca Raton's a nice party area. Yeah,
3: well, that's where a lot of people got to retire too, though. <laughs> they also go to spring break. <laughs> I don't, I hope they get their stadium – just like us, I hope they get their stadium situation figured out. They, they need a new stadium really bad. I mean, you know – Yeah, get in line. The Trop is uh, – no, oh, the traps awful. I don't know if I want to I don't know if I'd say hey, I'm going to go to go watch the I you know, I'm making a special trip there to watch the race, play. I'll watch the race
1: play in Oakland. Yeah, it's uh it, it's a bad it's a bad it's 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 a bad situation. You know, I mean and you know, there's certain franchises that didn't get it done years ago when people were getting new ballparks and because of that, they They've been in this. They, it is what it is. So Luis Patino up against Paul Blackburn. Coming your way here at 340 from the Trop. That's going to do it for A's Cast Live. First edition of the 2022 season. David Force, the general manager, stopped by. Neil Solons from the Rays stopped by. We'll be back tomorrow, same time at 1 o'clock? Correct. 1 o'clock. All right. I'm excited. Let's get her done. We'll be back at 240 with A's Total Access. Thank you for listening, everybody, to A's Cast Live.
0: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best –